blessed you are. You were from what you heard. Today, I am ready. And I believe you're ready for the word. This is somebody that traveled with uh, Kenneth Hagen for many years. And uh, I, like I said last Sunday, I wasn't able to reach Kenneth Hagen much. But I can touch him through his, his, the one who was with him for that many years. So the word of God is coming today. And remember, we're coming here tonight. Uh, I am re- really ready to receive. Would you please help me welcome Dr. Hurting. Good morning. Praise God. It's good to be back with my family here. You're right, Pastor. They are good looking. Good looking folk. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're good looking. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Well, a quick praise report because I know some of you um, remember that we started advertising when I was here last year, February of last year, I think it was, when I was here. And I had told you that we started advertising. We put up a salvation website separate from our ministry website and started uh, advertising on Google to get people saved. How many of you remember that? Well, when I, we were here last year, I don't remember where we were at, like 40-some thousand or something that that we had already gotten saved on Google. For those of you that aren't familiar, we just God spoke to us, and we had never heard anybody else in the world doing it, but he said put up a salvation website and then start advertising, paying for spots on Google to get people drawn to that website if they're, if they're searching Google on how to get saved. And uh, so uh, we've been doing that now for over three, three and a half years now, and as of uh, two weeks ago, My IT guy said we've now had 117,000 people go to our website and get saved. (laughs) Glory! (laughs) So, I mean, nothing excites me more than, I mean, the Bible says, He that winneth souls is wise. And so he gave us that idea on how to do that. And so we've just been having so many go to the website and and get saved. And we're just thrilled to, to share that as we go. So... Uh, I know Pastor said he's going to receive a love offering after I preach, so you guys get to sow into that. That's what that's what all the money. My wife and I aren't going to take a penny out of the offering. We, God's already set us free financially. We don't have a mortgage. Our million dollar ministry property is paid for. We're debt free. We're already blessed because God's blessed our investments and everything. So all the money will just go back in to help us reach more souls for Jesus. Amen. That's awesome. Praise God. And then. Praise God. Well, let's just get right into the Word this morning. Let's, let's pray real quick as we approach the Word. Father, we just thank you so much today for, for this opportunity to hear the truth. You said if we would know it, it would make us three, free. So we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to help open the eyes of our understanding so that we would know it, so that we can leave this place, putting it to practice in our lives and making a change in our lives and the lives of those that we touch. And we thank you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. By a show of hands real quick, let me see if there's anybody here that's never heard me before. You've never heard me before. Oh, my goodness. That means I've been attending this church longer than you have. (laughs) That's all right. Welcome to my church. Good to have you visiting today. So. (laughs) Now, since there were so many hands, I'm Larry Hutton. I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida. Um, 
and um, lived there for 27 years. I was a beach bum, couldn't find a beach bunny to marry, so I went to Colorado and found a snow bunny. And so I married my wife uh, over 38 years ago. She's my best friend. And uh, so we live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have our property up for sale. The Lord spoke to us. We thought we were moving about two years ago, but the Lord said, just wait on my timing. And so we have our property up for sale. We're going to be moving probably, we're still praying exactly where, but we think Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Just because I fly somewhere, almost every week of the year I fly around the world to preach somewhere. And I'm tired of flying out of Tulsa where you can't fly nonstop anywhere. I did fly nonstop here on Southwest. <laughs> Not many places I can fly nonstop. At, but out of Atlanta, if we moved to Atlanta, then I'd be able to fly nonstop about 75% of my destinations, which would really save a lot of time. So that's kind of our plans. But again, we're uh, always praying and seeking God for not my will, but his will be done. Amen. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18. Pastor told me not to keep you past three o'clock. Just kidding. I forgot a bunch of you don't know me. No, no, we're not going to we're not going to do that. I I can't guarantee you we're going to get you out of here to beat the Baptist to the restaurant, but we will. We'll do our best here. So (laughs) hallelujah. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. I kept trying to preach on another subject and and even last night before I'm going to bed, the Holy Spirit just kept saying, no, this is what they need to hear. See, when I go to a church, I don't bring some canned sermon. I pray and seek God. I said, now, God, I don't know everybody at the church, but you do. What do what do they need to hear? And then I flow with the Holy Spirit accordingly. So we're just going to start here in Proverbs 18.21. We'll see how God directs us. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the what? How many of you got one? <laughs> death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, if you love it to the point where it's speaking the word, you're going to eat the fruit. But also it's letting us know that you can have bad fruit, not not always good fruit, depending what your tongue releases, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's interesting when I was studying this word power out, one of the definitions down the line is power. So there is power in the tongue. But the main definition of the Hebrew word is hand. So all of a sudden, picture your tongue as a hand. Your tongue is going to hand you things in life. And they're either going to be good or they're going to be bad. Because he says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so when I saw that, I thought, all right, so uh, death, when you look up the word death... Uh, it's an all-inclusive word in the Hebrew language. It's talking about uh, destruction, uh, well, anything, really anything part of the kingdom of darkness that leads to death is part of this word death. And the word life in the Hebrew is talking about lively and living, and it's really everything that's part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. That's included in this word. So what I did, I, I wrote down some things to just make this verse more understandable for me. Instead of just saying life and death, I took different things that are part of life and different things that are part of death, and I wrote it. Let me. This is what I wrote. I wrote, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Sickness and disease is in the power of the tongue. Poverty and prosperity is in the power of the tongue. Anxiety and peace is in the power of the tongue. Depression and joy 
is in the power of the tongue. A good marriage and a bad marriage is in the... Are you all getting this? You can take anything in God's kingdom versus the kingdom of darkness, uh, Satan's kingdom, and you can put in here and then you realize, whoa, my tongue, I better get this thing straightened up because it's going to hand me things in life. Let's go over to 1 Peter, if you don't mind, 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, let's go to verse number 10. First Peter 3.10, it says, He that will love life and see good days, let him stop or refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let me read a couple of the translations. The Weymouth New Testament says, He who wishes to be well satisfied with life and see happy days, let him restrain his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful words. The New Living says, uh, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. The Amplified says, For he who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether, whether apparent or not, keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile, treachery, and deceit. And then the message translation says, whoever wants to embrace life and see the day filled up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. So how many of you, looking at all these translations, how many of you want to live a life uh, where good things are always happening, you're enjoying, you're well satisfied, you're happy? (laughs) Yeah, well, he says, then you have to do something. You have to do something with this little member Uh, that can set the world on fire, if you're not careful. Uh, Actually, Peter is quoting from the 34th Psalm here when he says this. In fact, let's go over there real quick, Psalm 34. Let me show you where he's quoting from, and then I'm going to show you uh, something the Holy Ghost showed me when I was studying these passages. Psalm 34, and let's go to verses number 12 and 13. Psalm 34, 12 and 13. And this is where Peter was quoting from. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile, which is deceit or lies. So what I did when I looked at this that Peter quoted here in Psalm, I took this 34th Psalm and then I took 1 Peter. And I studied all the Hebrew words and the definitions in Psalm and then all the Greek words in Peter. And I made my own paraphrase. I just felt led to do that, just to write, write out what I really see the Greek and the Hebrew saying. And this is what I wrote. I didn't know there was a purpose in the Holy Ghost leading until after, after I did this, and I'll share that with you in just a minute. But here's what I wrote. Who among you wants to experience a dynamic and active life, one with longevity and one that continually has good things happening in it? Then don't let your tongue speak anything contrary to God's word and stop lying or saying anything that would deceive yourself or others. So that's what he's really saying here in both Psalms and in Peter. Who among you wants to experience a dynamic and active life, one with longevity, one that continually has good things happening in it? Then don't let your tongue speak anything contrary to God's word. And stop lying or saying anything that would deceive yourself 
or others. Well, when I wrote that, I, I, was, I knew I was being led by God to do it, so I wrote it out. And after I did, then all of a sudden I heard the Spirit of God say this. Now I want you to write the opposite of that. Get ready to have your toes stepped on. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I wrote the opposite of this, I thought, OMG, my goodness. I thought, this, this is, uh, whoo, this hurt a little bit. Got your toes stepped on. Well, here's the opposite of that. Who among you wants to experience a destructive and depressing life? One that's short-lived and one that continually has bad things happening in it? Then just let your tongue speak everything that comes to your mind. And it's okay to tell little white lies. And for that matter, if you want to speak half-truths or any little deceptive things that make yourself look better, feel free to do that as well. Ouch. I'll tell you, when the Lord showed me this years ago, it, it jerked the slack out of, out of my tongue. I mean, I, I started keeping, like, like the psalmist said, put a watch on your mouth. You know, I, I started watching my words a lot more when I, when I read that. I thought, man, let me just read that again. Who among you wants to experience a destructive and depressing life? One short-lived and continually has bad things happening in it? Then just let your tongue speak everything that comes to your mind. You hear people all the time say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. Yeah, you're going to give them the wrong thing. And it's okay to tell little white lies. And for that matter, if you want to speak half-truths or any little deceptive thing to make yourself look better, feel free to do that as well. Folks, it matters what we say. The words that come out of our mouth are going to hand us things. Whether we know it or not, most people hand themselves things without any clue they're doing it. This is why my future every year gets brighter and clearer and better and better and better is because I get up every day of my life and say, something good is going to happen to me today. And somebody said, well, you're just copying the late Oral Roberts. No, bless God, I'm copying Jesus. I'm copying the Word. I'm setting my hand to something so that I'm handing me a good future. I've always got good things happening. I, I don't just say something good is going to happen today. I say something's good going to happen this month. Great things are going to happen this year. This is going to be the best year of my life. And I keep handing myself things. And it just gets like a good old country boy from Odessa, Florida. Not Odessa, Texas. <laughs> but a good old boy from Odessa, Florida. I'm, I was just born in the woods, you know. Grew up in the woods. And I, I, I like to say it this way. It just keeps getting gooder and gooder. <laughs> okay, who am I copying? Am I copying, Pastor? All right, woohoo! <laughs> All right, I'm flowing in the spirit now. <laughs> turn, turn over to the 45th Psalm with me, Psalm 45, Psalm chapter 45. Psalm 45, verse 1, David made a statement here, and I'm going to explain it to you after we read it. He said, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I've made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. So let me paraphrase that for you because I looked at the Hebrew so I could just make it easy to understand. When he says, My heart is indicting a good matter, 
Literally, the Hebrew says, my spirit is stirred to speak something good. My spirit. See, we're created in the image and likeness of God. You are an eternal being. When, when people say you're a spirit being, sometimes it's easier for them to understand an eternal being. Because a lot of people that are immature think spirit as Casper the friendly ghost or something, you know. But uh, spirit just means you're an eternal being. You're go- when you put off this body, uh, you're not going to be a see-through that can't do anything. No, you're still going to be real. In fact, you're going to be eternal. In fact, you were created from a realm that is more real and eternal than this little natural realm we're in now. This is all going to pass away. Amen. And so... This says, my heart is indicting a good matter. My spirit is stirred to speak something good. You and I were created in the image of likeness of God. We're supposed to speak good things all the time. But because of the corruption in the world, it tries to get in us and get us to speak wrong things. But my heart, your heart, your spirit is actually stirred to speak something good. Then it goes on and says, I speak of the things which I've made touching the king. Literally in the Hebrew, it says this, my words are made for royalty. Your words are made for royalty. Why? You're part of a royal priesthood. You have the royal one of all kings inside you, my goodness. You you are supposed to speak words that are words of royalty. And then when he said, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer, this is what the Hebrew would say. My tongue, cunningly, like a skillful writer, will choose what is Written on the pages of my life. That's what he means when he says my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue, cunningly like a skillful writer, will choose what is written on the pages of my life. Kind of sounds like you're going to hand you things, doesn't it? So if you want your pages filled up with good like Peter said, then you're going to have to learn to speak good things. Um, and good things, I'm always reminded. I heard my wife preaching one time, and she was preaching out of the 103rd Psalm. Don't forget his benefits. Remember, he forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, uh, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and satisfies your mouth with good things. I'm not talking about food. That's talking about the Word of God. He satisfies your mouth with good words so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So God's Word in Hebrews is called the good word. Taste and see, the Bible says, that the Lord is good. Why? Because His Word is good. And so we need to be filling our mouth with good things so we're handing ourselves a good future that we're writing on the pages, our future pages of our life, good things so we have blessings coming to us all the time. Amen. I mean, it's wonderful to come to the altar and pray like we did here, but you can't come to the altar here and pray here and then fill your life with bad things out there during all the week and expect this to like change your life. Come on. This Word of God is what's going to change your life. Amen. Which is why we come and we worship and we praise and we come to the altar and we seek God. is so that, we'll, like, like she was saying, so we can go out refired, refueled now to act on the Word and do the Word during the week when we're facing things. And, and somebody said, well, Brother Larry, all hell break loose. I know. That's why we let all heaven break loose. 
Yeah, because all of us walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does that mean? All hell's breaking loose all around us here. But what do we do? We let all heaven break loose. Out of glory, Jesus said, the same glory, Father, you've given me, I've put in them. And so we let glory come out of us through our mouth. And we hand even people around us good things. We hand them peace. We hand them joy. We hand them the love of God. We hand them the power of God. Whoo, man, so good. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans the 8th chapter. Anybody getting anything? Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, let's read verses 1 and 2. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now we're talking about life and death are in the power of the what? Tongue. So notice here, the law of the Spirit of life. So evidently that is connected to the tongue then, because now we're seeing the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has set us free. Well, that sounds like we have things handed to us by God, but now how do you get these things handed to you in this life? In other words, pull them out of the eternal spirit realm into the realm where you get to experience them. He says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Well, life and death are in the power of the what? In the power of the tongue. Notice the law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that where we are? Aren't we in Christ? If any man be in Christ. So that law of the spirit of life is operated by our tongue. We're in Jesus. But now he says the law of sin of death, and you could say it this way, if the law of sin of life is in Christ, then the law of sin and, uh, uh, sin and death is out of Christ. And yet a lot of people, death is handed by the power of the tongue. A lot of people that are in Christ hand themselves death as though they're not in Christ. And laws operate by our words. Paul says that we're justified by faith. And in fact, in, in uh, Romans 3.27, Paul, Paul calls it the law of faith. Well, when you pull in the law of faith and the law of the spirit of life, then you know that faith is what releases that life. And when you put the words together that life is in the power of the tongue, then you see how faith is released so that you can partake of the law of life. It's a law. We, we, uh, we release that law through our mouths, the law of the spirit of life. So, therefore, the law of faith and the law of life are operated by our words. It's what releases healing, prosperity, blessings, a stable marriage, stable emotions, all those things. But the law of sin and death uh, is also operated by our words. It's what releases sickness, poverty, emotional instability, and so forth. I want to go back to 1 Peter here just for a minute. 1 Peter chapter 3 where we started, or where we were on the second verse that we went to. Uh, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Or of course, now we can see refrain or stop his tongue from releasing death or handing himself death or death-filled words. 
all of us want to have life where good things are happening to us. We all, we all want to enjoy life and be well satisfied and all that. But uh, this says that there's something that we have to do if we want that happening. And, and it gives us insight. It says, refrain your tongue from evil. So really the question becomes, what are evil words? See, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't cuss anymore when I got saved. Well, that's commendable. That's great. But that's really not the evil words he's talking about here. I mean, yeah, we're not supposed, as Christians, supposed to be spewing out foul language. But let's see what the Bible calls evil. First of all, if you look up this Greek word evil, it means bad, uh, evil, harmful, um, ill will, noisome. If you look up the word noisome, it just means injurious or offensive, injurious to health. Uh, those are all considered evil words if you look up the definitions. But I want us to go look at what God calls evil words so that we can get it straight from him. So let's, let's go to Numbers, the 13th chapter. Very, a very familiar passage for a lot of people. This is where God told Moses to go send men into the land of Canaan. And he told him he gave him the land. If you look in the second verse, uh, he said, I, I give you the land, so go search it out. And uh, so that means it belonged to them before they went in the land. Is that right? Go search the land which I give to the children of Israel. So it was given to them before they went in and spied it out. Um, they just, most of them didn't believe that. A couple of them did, thank goodness. But it tells us they went in and searched the land, and then they returned the land. They brought fat, uh, brought back fruit. But now let's pick this story up, and you know, let's start in verse 37 here. Verse 37, here's the report. They said, uh, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, verse 28, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Enoch, which, which were the giants. Verse 29, they continued to report about all the people who inhabited the different regions of the land. While, uh, and while they were speaking, Caleb interrupted him. In verse 30, he said, let us go up at once and take possession. We're well able to overcome it. Well, what Caleb said didn't please the others who had gone with him. So they immediately spoke up in verses 31, 32, and 33, verse 31. But the men who went up with him said, we are not. Caleb just said, yes, we are. He said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. And they went on in verse 32, the land through which the... We've gone as, as spies as a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were the grasshoppers in our own sight and so were we in their sight. So I want you to notice what the ten spies reported. They reported, let's see, they reported how strong the people were, how massive the walls were, around the cities, uh, that there were giant people in the land, and finally reported that their own weaknesses and abilities were not sufficient to be able to conquer and, and possess the land. And then they said, we felt like grasshoppers. So what is it that they actually reported? They actually reported the facts. They reported what they saw as real. 
reality. But when I quoted verse 32, I omitted a little bit just for this purpose. I want to go back to verse 32. Let's take a look at the first part of the verse. Because it says the children of Israel gave a what kind of report? King, New King James says bad. King James says evil report. God calls the words that came out of their mouth bad words, evil words. And we're supposed to refrain our tongue from evil if we want to see good days and be happy in life. He said you got to refrain from evil words. And God says evil words are what the ten spies were reporting. And all they were speaking was facts. Reality. And you know what? When you hear most people... They want to tell you the facts. They want to give you the reality of a situation. They'll say it this way. Well, let me just tell you the truth. That's what the ten spies did. They spoke out what they saw, how it made them feel. All they were speaking was reality, what was real to them. But God called it evil, evil words. Why? Because what they said was going against what God had already said. God had already said, I give you the land. He did not tell them, go in and see if you're small enough not to take it. He didn't tell them, go and look at all the facts and all the realities and then come back and tell me that what I'm telling you is not possible. Because with God, all things are possible. See, listen. God knew their obstacles were real. I mean, that's why he had to release his word, because his word is what empowers you and me to be able to do what he says. We can't do it without him. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 3 5 says, We're not sufficient as of to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of him. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We can do all things through Christ. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's not being strong in ourselves and the power of our might. So from a natural humanly standpoint, the people were bigger in the land and they were stronger. But see, God also knew that the facts were subject to change. Anytime God speaks something to you and me. In any area of our lives, you, you read what the Bible says about your how to treat your wife or how to treat your husband, what the Bible says about your finances, what the Bible says about your physical health. If you see what God says and you believe it, that word empowers you to be what it says. You can be what it says. But when you believe it, then you're going to be speaking it and handing it to you. Instead of speaking the facts and and the reality of the situation, Joshua and Caleb decided, hey, let's speak the truth. What is the truth? John 17, 17. Thy word, O God, is truth. So whatever God said about your problem, your situation, your circumstance, your hardship, whatever God said is the truth. And what you're looking at that's real and factual is subject to change. Man, when we, when we speak what God says right in the midst of contradictory circumstances, 
that word believed releases the grace of God. And grace empowers us to be what we can't be on our own, do what we can't do on our own, go where we couldn't go on our own. Thank you, Lord. So when they spoke the natural facts and the realities of the situation, they were speaking contrary to what God had already said. And God called their words evil. Wow. But Caleb, he spoke, uh, he spoke what God said. Let's go up at once and possess it. We're well able. Why did he say that? Well, he's thinking God gave it to us. God said, God said, if God said, it has to be true. God said, God said, isn't that what Jesus did when he was tempted of the devil? The devil kept trying to tempt Jesus every time. Jesus said, God said, God said, God said, it is written, it is written, God said. So when these, when these guys gave this, this evil report, the giants are huge, they're stronger than we, the cities are walled, unscalable, um, we look like grasshoppers to them. They were speaking what they saw and what they felt. And remember, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from what? From evil and his lips and speaking guile. So when they gave an evil report, I looked up this word evil in the Hebrew language that this was translated from, and it means slander. Slander. Let me give you the definition of slander. Slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. The action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's uh, reputation. So my question, did it matter to God what they spoke? It must have for him to call their words evil. Um, let's just uh, pick it up in uh, chapter 14, verse 1, and we're going to see what their words handed them, life or death. Let's find out. Verse 1, Numbers 14. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. So here's the reaction of millions of people when they hear ten people give a bad report. They lifted up their voice and cried all night long. Because ten people said, you know, sometimes it just doesn't doesn't pay to follow the majority. Sometimes if there's only two speak, two people speaking the truth, man, you better just follow the truth, right? But all the congregation lifted up, ah, we're going to die. <laughs> and all the children, verse 2, uh, murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said, we wish God would have just let us die when we were in Egypt. Or... Since that didn't happen, you see, that was already passed, so that can't happen. They're not in Egypt anymore. So that, thank goodness, that can't happen. But then they said, or we'd wish God would just let us die here in the wilderness. Uh Uh-oh. Life and death are in the hand. Let's see what they handed themselves. Skip down to verse 26. Verse 26, the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Evil, because they were speaking evil, slanderous words, words against God. 
How long shall I bear with them? Uh, I've heard the murmurings of the children. Now watch this at the end of verse 27. Which they murmur against me. I thought verse 2 said they were murmuring against Moses and Aaron. Yeah, but see, Moses and Aaron were speaking for God. And so when you, when you come against the word of God, you're, you're speaking against God. And then verse 28, say to them, as truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken, you better underline it, circle it, highlight it, as you have spoken, so will I do to you. Wow. Skip to verse 36. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land, died by the plague right in front of the Lord. Wow. Death was in the hand of their tongues. They handed themselves a bad future. But I want to go back to chapter 30 and verse 13 where Caleb said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. And if you go on reading, you find out that Caleb got to go in the promised land. And, boy, I wish I, could, I wish I had time. I don't have time. But, you know, in Numbers 14, 24, it talks about Caleb had another spirit. In other words, he had the spirit of faith. He believed what God said and spoke it. And, and we, according to Paul, remember it's 2 Corinthians four thirteen. we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. Paul said, we also believe and therefore speak. That's the spirit of faith. That's what releases our faith out of our spirit, man into the realm to change things. Hallelujah. So, when I, when I saw this, I said, let's look at a New Testament example. That's an Old Testament example. Now let's look at a New Testament. This one really, really brings light to the power that's in our tongue and in our words. So let's go over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. There was in the days, I'm going to just start in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Um, and his wife at the end of the verse was Elizabeth. Let's skip down to verse 11. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. But the angel said to him, uh, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son. You shall call his name John. You're going to uh, have joy and gladness, and many are going to rejoice at his birth. Um, let me ask you this before we keep reading. If you were praying about something, you were asking God just in prayer, just you needed something in your life, maybe like, maybe like this, a husband and wife, you're praying for a child. You were praying, and all of a sudden, God sends an angel. I'm talking one of his top dog angels. <laughs> and God sends one of his top dog angels to you, and the, the angel says, I just came from God's presence, and he wanted me to bring you a message. He said, he's, answered, he's heard your prayer, and he's going to answer it, and it's going to bring you great joy, and it's going to really make you glad. I mean, seems like that report would make you glad, doesn't it? All right, let's see what uh, Zacharias did. Verse 18, Zacharias said, how do I know you're telling me the truth? Because you know what? I'm old. And my wife's old. 
and there's just no way. I just don't believe what you're saying is really the truth. Well, so this is interesting because Zacharias' response uh, was not a faith response. He, he heard what this angel said, Gabriel, and uh, he said, you know, how, how do I know you're telling me the truth? Do you, do you know? Don't you know that I'm really old? <laughs> how are we going to have children? Well, then why are you praying for a child if you're not believing for one? You dodo. <laughs> Listen to a couple other translations. Contemporary English version. How will I know this is going to happen? My wife and I are very old, you know. God's word to the nation says, what proof is there for this? I'm an old man, and my wife is beyond her childbearing years. New Living says, now, can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. The message says it this way, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife's an old woman. Now, listen, it's one thing to have unbelief come into your thoughts, but it's another dimension entirely when you hook your tongue up with those thoughts. Remember, your tongue is going to hand you a future. So let's see what the angel said in the next two verses, verse 19 and 20. The angel answered said, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. I'm sent to you to speak to you these glad tidings. And behold, you're going to be dumb, not able to speak until the days these be performed because you believe not my words which shall be fulfilled. Now, I do not believe Gabriel mealy-mouthed, quietly spoke to Zacharias here. I do not believe he said, now I am Gabriel. And I'm going to have to shut your mouth, boy. No, I believe it probably came out something when Zacharias said, I really don't believe you that you're telling me the truth because look at me and look at my wife. I believe it was something like this. I am Gabriel. God just sent me to tell you he heard your prayers and he's going to answer them, dude. (laughs) But now since you're not going to believe me, I'm going to have to shut your mouth. Zip it, buddy. Behold, you shall be dumb. Now look at verse 20. Behold, you shall be dumb and not able to what? Life and death are in the power of the what? You're not going to be able to speak until what I just told you comes to pass. Why? Then he tells us the word because. You ought to circle in your Bible. I have it underlined in mine. Because. Here's why he had to shut Zacharias' mouth. Because you don't believe. What God said, because see, he just said, I came from God and I'm giving you a message from God. So it was God's words. So you're not believing my words, which means you're not believing God's words. And look what God said. I need this to be fulfilled. Of course, we needed John the Baptist born. That was part of prophecy. That was part of God's plan. But look what God said. God said, if he would have allowed Zacharias to keep talking it would actually stop the plan of God on planet Earth. Actually, it would stop the plan of God for Zacharias' family, which would then affect many other people and generations to come. That's powerful. 
your words can actually thwart or stop God's plan for your life. Man, when I saw that, I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to make sure that my words are going to be like Jesus. Jesus, you know, we're to walk. First John 2, 6 said, we're to walk even as Jesus walked. When Jesus said, I only say what I hear my, we ought to be doing the same thing. I only say what I hear my father say. What do I, I, I stay in the word continually. I stay full of the word. I'm only going to say what I hear my father say. So that, that brought me to a, a question when I'm seeing all of this. And, of course, you can go on reading this story. And just for time's sake, we won't. You know that after uh, when John was born, he still had his tongue, you know, zipped-lipped and couldn't talk. And, and so they asked Elizabeth what the name of the boy was going to be. And he said, John, and, and all the people around him and family and religious folk, they said, well, no, no, you don't have anybody by that name. You can't name him that. And so then they, they asked Zacharias, and Zacharias got a piece of paper and wrote down John, and then his tongue was loosed. So when he submitted to what God said, then he, then he was able to talk again. He learned his lesson. I think I'll just say what God says. But when I was, when I was looking at all this, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me the question, um, so what about our words? You know, gosh, there's so many verses. I, I could take several days on this, this uh, how important what you and I say is. But, but I was asking the Lord, I said, so Lord, what about, what about words that we really don't mean? You know, that, you know we may be saying um, phrases, uh, exaggerations. You know what I'm talking about? I wrote some of them down. I said, what, what about somebody saying, my feet are killing me? And they don't drop over dead. So their feet really aren't killing them. Well, yeah, but it's just an expression. Yeah, but life and death are in the power of the... And so what about, that tickles me to death. Oh, you're going to drop over dead when you laugh, huh? What about this one? I think I'm going crazy. I really wouldn't confess that one if I were you. <laughs> what about this one? He drives me or she drives me up the wall. Oh, you're Spider-Man now, huh? <laughs> what about this one? I'm on pins and needles. That's got to be uncomfortable. What about this one? Over my dead body. Watch out. Could be. What about this one? Well, I'm just afraid so. God said, fear not. Why are you afraid? What about this one? That just blows my mind. That's gross. We won't go there. But anyway, uh, what about this one? If I've told you once, I've told you a million times. No, you only told me 33 times. <laughs> so what about those kind of words? Phraseology, exaggeration, figures of speech. What about those things? Do they affect us and our future? Absolutely. Turn over to James, and that's where we'll wind it up here today. James chapter 1. Anybody getting anything? James 1. That's one reason I like coming to this church, because you guys are word folk, word and spirit. I like people that believe the word of God and believe the Holy Spirit. Praise God. The doers. Let's talk about doers of the word here in James chapter 1. I've actually, the last couple months, and I always uh, 
when I when I write my partner letter every month, I sit down and I pray, Lord, I, and I pray for whoever's a partner. I pick their names and stuff and pray for them and, and then said, Lord, what do you want me to write to them? I want to write to them this month. And every month I write something different. The last two months, two or three months now, the Lord's been having me write to my partners about what does it mean to be a doer of the word? And people really haven't had the insight according to what God's Word says by using all the scriptures that talk about, okay, here's what it actually means by being a doer. It's not talking about acting like the Word of God is true when everything is fine, when there's nothing wrong, when everything is going smoothly. That's not even what it's talking about. Anyway, but be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So if you're just a hearer, not a doer, you deceive yourself. If any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or mirror. He beholds himself, goes away, and a short time later forgets what he looks like. Verse 25, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, we know that's talking about the word because of verse 22, but be doers of the word. So verse 25, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, I like to call it the perfect law of liberty mirror because he just likened the word to a mirror. So whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty mirror and continues looking, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word or a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his doing. If any man... Oh, wait a minute. Remember, the Bible was never written in chapter and verse. So verse 26 goes along with what he was just saying about being a doer of the word. And he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his what? Tongue, uh-oh, got tongue involved in being a doer of the word here. Bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Let me read a couple other translations. Bible in basic English, if, if a man seems to have religion but no control over his tongue, but lets himself be tricked by what is false. Wow. This man's religion is of no value. The uh, contemporary English, if you think you are being religious but you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and everything you do is useless. The Amplified says you delude yourself. You delude your own heart. All right, so, so if saying words... are not in line with God's Word, then we're not being a doer of the Word, which means this says we're deceiving our own heart. Romans 10 says, With the heart man believes. With the mouth confession is made. With the heart man what? In other words, your faith is out of the heart. But you cannot believe if your heart is deceived. If you're letting your mouth speak things contrary to the word, then your heart is trying to figure out, well, you know, yesterday he said this, but today he said this. And, uh, you know, when he was in church, he said this, but now at work he's saying this. It's the opposite. And your heart is deluded. Your faith is deluded. Your, Your spirit, man, your heart, what you believe out of is deceived. And now you're wondering why faith isn't working. 
This is happening in Word of Faith churches like this one all over the world that I go preach in. People are wondering, man, why aren't I getting my prayers answered? And why are these things happening to me? Why am I always having bad things? Man, I go to a good church. I have a great pastor. We sing great praise and worship songs. And I just don't understand why these things keep happening to me. They wonder why their faith is not working because they keep deluding and deceiving their heart with words that mean nothing. Oh, Brother Larry, man, that's just the letter of the law. No, it's the letter of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's why uh, 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 he went on in James when he talked about the tongue. He said, listen, you're not supposed to spew out fresh water and salt water at the same time. The same spring can't do that. These things ought not be so, James said. He said the only way you can control the tongue is with the Word of God. It's the only way you can control the tongue. So therefore, if I'm not speaking what God's Word says in each area, it's not just one area, my spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, maritally, in every area of my life, I've got to be saying, what does God say about this situation that I'm in right now? And then make sure my tongue lines up with that. Why? So that I can see good days and my life filled up with good. Wow, that's what God wants. Let me, let me close with, uh, I'm going to just close with Proverbs 18.21 where we started. And there was one translation I didn't read, so I'm going to close with this. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, let me read the Message Bible. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Wow. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So once again, I did the same thing for myself. I wrote, I wrote all the different things that could mean. I wrote, your words will poison your body, making it sick, or bring it the fruit of health. Your words will poison your finances, bring, bringing poverty, or bring your finances the fruit of prosperity. Your words will poison your mind with anxiety or bring it the fruit of peace. Your words will poison your emotions with depression or bring it the fruit of joy. Your words will poison your marriage and make it bad or bring it fruit that will bless it and make it heavenly. Your words will poison your endeavors with failure or bring you the fruit of success. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Deuteronomy 30, 19, God said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I've set before you life and death, blessing, cursing. Therefore, choose life. How do we choose? With our tongue. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I ask that all of us would not just be hearers, but we'd be doers of this word, Lord. That, I mean, the next 12 months be the best 12 months of our life when we start treating the word of God first place, giving it first place in our life and speaking only what God says. Then we start seeing what God says come to pass and what a blessed life we have, Lord. So thank you for that today. 
Thank you for your words of life. Your words are spirit. Your words are life, Jesus, you said. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here, anybody watching by TV or by uh, live stream, Lord, if there's anyone here that is not saved, Lord, they can't even experience this kind of life without Jesus. So I pray that if there's anyone listening not saved, that you would let them know today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. They don't have to clean up their act to come to you, God. They just come to you and you clean up their act for them. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We, we pray that not one person within the sound of our voices would reject Jesus, but that every single one would accept him and make God and his kingdom and his family their eternal home. And, Lord, we're praying that for your honor, for your glory. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Christians, just be in an attitude of prayer for a few minutes. If there's anyone in this building today... You've never accepted Jesus, but you would like to today. I just want to pray for you. I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up high enough that I can see so I know who I'm praying for. Once I see your hand, I'll acknowledge it. You can put it right back down. But if you want to be prayed for to receive Jesus today, slip your hand up in this place. Anybody in the building? Anybody? Thank you. In the back, I see your hand. You can put it down. Thank you, ma'am. Someone else? Anyone else with the uplifted hand, all you're saying is, you know, I've never accepted Jesus, but I want to today. I want to accept him. I want to be part of God's family today. Anyone? We have one person that wants to pray for to be saved. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord Jesus. tell you what I'll do. I'm going to pray for that one person in just a moment. But before I do, I'm going to give one second invitation. That's this. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm saved. I've been born of the Spirit, but I've never been filled with the Spirit. In the book of Acts, a whole bunch of different times, the believers who were saved, they were born of the Spirit. Then they got filled with the Spirit and were able to pray in a new heavenly prayer tongue. I want that. I want that free gift from God. If that's you, you're saved, but you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, then lift your hand up if you want to be filled today. Anyone in the building, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost so I can pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues. All right, praise God. I like that person that rose their hand to get saved. They want to get filled too. I don't blame them. <laughs> Might as well get everything God has. Thank you, Lord. And we have somebody else wanting to get filled. So now we have two people to pray for. Anybody else? I want to get saved. It's still not too late on that invitation. If you've never been saved... Here's how you can determine whether you should lift your hand or not. What if something happened on the way home from church or this week on the way to work or something, you got in an accident and died? Where would you go spend eternity? And if you don't know the answer to that question, then you should lift your hand because those of us that have accepted Jesus, we know where we're going. And so if you don't know that, then you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to look again in case... Someone else is here. You've never accepted Jesus. You want us to pray for you today. Just slip your hand up. Or if you want to be filled with the Spirit today with the evidence of speaking in a new heavenly prayer tongue and you've never had that, that experience from heaven, lift your hand up. Anyone else besides the two? There's another. Thank you, sir. You can put it down. That's three. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm going to wait just another minute, see if there's somebody else. I'm kind of sensing that somebody, you're sitting there and you know you need to lift your hand, but you haven't. But that's okay. God God won't make you. It's a choice. You can 
choose, but I'm telling you, you're choosing life when you choose to go with God. So I'll, I'll wait just another moment. If you have not lifted your hand, you want to be included with these three to either be saved or filled with the Spirit. Go ahead and lift your hand. We'll include you as well. Whoever that is, you can lift your hand. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else before I pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Those three of you uh, that lifted your hand, just go ahead and stand up right by your chair. Don't go anywhere or anything. Just stand up right by your chair. If you lifted your hand for prayer on either of the invitations, and, and all three of them stood up, that means they mean business with God. So... If, you, if you're one that didn't lift your hand, but you want to be included, you could go ahead and stand as well. If you, if you want to be saved or filled with the Spirit, you can stand and be joined, joined with them in prayer. Praise God. Okay, those that are standing, just look at me real quick. I want to pray for you, and I could come to each one of you and pray. That'd take longer. We could stand together and pray. So just come join me real quick, and we'll just stand together and pray. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. All right. And if there's anyone else, you can come join us. Don't let them be the only one get God's blessings. <laughs> Amen. So let me talk to you guys real quick. Now, we have some stuff we're going to give them, right? Some free stuff from the church, many books and stuff that we're going to. And do you have anybody that's going to take them to a prayer room or anything? Do you, anybody that will just pray with them individually or something? Okay, good. All right, so I'm going to pray for you here, and then we're going to have somebody just take you just for a couple of minutes, make sure you got what you came for, and then uh, give you some free material. In fact, I have a mini book. Uh, who's working my book table, my product table? Where is she at? Oh, she's already out there. Uh, let her know that my little mini book called Limitless, I want to give each one of them a gift, that mini book, all right? So I'm going to pray for you guys here, and then... Uh, we'll let you get prayed for, and then and then make sure before you leave today, stop by my book table. I want to give you a free book, okay? All right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, you're going to close your eyes in reverence to God because you're reverence to God. You're going to lift one hand up to heaven because that's where your help comes from. And then we're going to just pray for you here. Congregation, reach your hands out toward them as we pray. Father, we pray for these now. The one who has come to be saved and a couple, all of them want to be filled with the Spirit. So, Father, thank you today that you save them and you fill them with the Spirit of God. And now everybody in the congregation, including you three, just say this today. Say, Jesus, I call on you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. The Bible says, whoever calls on Jesus shall be saved. I'm a whoever. So I qualify. So I've called now, and you said if I call, that I would be saved. So thank you, Father, for forgiving me of all my sins and making me a brand new person in Christ Jesus. And today, I ask you to fill me with your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and give me utterance in a heavenly language. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. I believe I receive my salvation and my infilling by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, give my hand. Oh, thank you. There you go. Amen. Now, who are they going to go with? Do we know real quick? 
just want to make sure they got what they came for, and then you can bring them back and make sure you come by my book table and see me. I want to hug your necks anyway before you go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Awesome. Well, I want to mention just uh, three things back at our product table. I tried to bring some th- things back we sold out of last time, like those confession cards that we sold out of, some different things that we sold out of. I wanted to, since there's so many new people here, I wanted to tell you about Heaven's Health Food. Um, we had a couple, and some of you might remember this testimony, we had a, a husband and wife that were both dying of cancer at the same time. The wife had stage four, the husband had stage three, both dying of cancer. They went to a good denominational church, but they did not believe in healing, didn't believe God's will to heal all, didn't know about Jesus being the healer as well as the Savior. And so they started watching my television program, which we happen to also put on YouTube. We have a Larry Hutt Ministry YouTube channel. They started watching our YouTube channel, and I happened to be preaching on for like three months straight every day. I I have a daily program Monday through Friday. And every day I was preaching on how to be healed by God, how to receive divine healing from the hand of God. And they started watching it, and they ordered this CD, Heaven's Health Food. In fact, do we have it queued up back there? Could we give them a quick sample of that? Oh, yeah, thanks. It's awesome. This is Heaven's Health Food. Allow you to suffer the diseases I allowed on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is Exodus 15, The New 26. English Bible says, I, the Lord, am your healer. He's your healer. The Sporel translation says, I am Jehovah, your physician. He's my doctor. The basic English translation says, I am the Lord, your life giver. Thank you for your life. Young's translation says, for I, Jehovah, am healing you. I thank you for that, Lord. The Knox translation says, I am the Lord, and it is health I bring you. I receive that. Thank you. When the Goodspeed translation talks about the diseases, it says, for I, the Lord, make you immune to them. You can cut it right there. I love those translations because each one brings out just a little something else. It just builds your faith and confidence and stuff. Anyway, that couple started listening to that scripture CD over and over and over many hours every day without going back to... Because here's what the doctors have said. We can do chemo and we can do radiation and all that, and it may extend your life six months. So they just decided, well, no, we'll just, we'll just see if we can find help from God. And then they end up running across our teaching and got a hold of Heaven's Health Food CD. And after listening to it for just, I think it was like a week, seven days or ten days or something. But after listening to it over and over and over, hundreds of times, all the cancer disappeared from both of their bodies. Isn't that awesome? All of it. Without, without any medicine or no medical treatment. It was God sent His Word. And so I just wanted you to know, I, I tried to bring a bunch of those because we have sold out those before when we were there. And then our newest CD is Love Scriptures. And I love what we were singing about the Father's love earlier. Thank you, guys. Because, you know, even us husbands, Scripture tells us husbands to love our wives the way God loves us. And, in fact, Jesus said in John 13, 34, we're supposed to love others the way God loves us. You know what? You can't love your wife or you can't love other people the way God loves you 
unless you have a revelation of how much God loves you. So when I did love scriptures, God told me to do it. I thought it was going to be more for couples and things like that. But when I started writing down all the scriptures, the the Lord told me to write down and then started quoting them. I got halfway. This is an hour and 20 minutes of love scriptures. And halfway through, I had not even gotten to one scripture talking about loving others. I got to scripture after scripture after scripture that talked about how much God loves me. And when you get that revelation, it will cause your faith to abound. It will cause you to be a loved being. It will cause you to love unlovely people. Amen. And so, and it's done the same way as you just heard Heaven South Food. Many translations, except the Lord told me on this one uh, to write my paraphrase, that I'm writing a paraphrase Bible, write my paraphrase for every love scripture that I did. So the very last quote of each scripture I go to, I give you my paraphrase that makes it real easy to understand. And then we also have peace scriptures. Peace scriptures are for those that maybe face depression a lot, or maybe you have a bad temper, anger problems, or maybe you're uh, in stressful situations all the time, or guilt or shame-filled type situations. Listen, get peace scriptures. Or if you have any kind of sleep problems, sleep disorders, we've already had a bunch of people set free just listening to this when they go to bed at night. So peace scriptures. And again, it's done the same way. Music behind my voice, many translations of each verse. So those are all back there. And, um, and then I just want to thank you guys. Every time I come here, I just feel like I'm home. (laughs) You guys make me feel like family. And I thank you because that means a lot when you travel somewhere almost every week of the year and you're away from home, it just, it really does you good when you're with family and you make you feel like you're home. So thank you for being so kind and loving to me. And if anyone wants to hook up with us as a monthly partner, uh, we're going to keep, we're now believing for 200,000 people to get saved on our website. Uh, So if you want uh, to get fruit that abounds to your heavenly account, I encourage you to become a partner with us and partner cards are back on the table. So we love you. I'm going to have pastor come up and uh, sure, uh, sure, make sure you come back at six, right? We're back at six, six o'clock this evening. Love you guys. Come on, pastor. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, a lot. A lot to meditate on. And uh, we, we have this online as well, if you want to go. To me, sometimes I read things and I go back and I read again and again. And I listen to the same message over and over again. Every time, it's the Word of God. You get something new. So we're going to be receiving our offering. And remember to be back at uh, 6 tonight, right? 6 o'clock? Yes. going to be good. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, 6 and 7. It says, Let him who is taught the word. How many was taught? How many was taught tonight, this morning? It's good. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Then it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So you sow to what you've heard today, you reap what you heard and you believe. That's the way I believe. We want uh, Dr. Hurtin's ministry to be blessed, so please give. We have a giving church. Uh, People truly give, and uh, I'm very thankful to God for that.
Are we ready to give? Or you need more time? And write a thousand dollar check. (laughs) Would you lift your offering up to the Lord, please? Thank you. Father, we thank you. Again, you've said in your word, the giving is for your servant and for the progress of the work of God. Receive from us today with a heart. We give with a heart of gratitude for what you've given to us through your word, through your servant. We give you praise and we thank you with our giving. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, please.